Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. It is I, Allison Kilkenny, your humble host, coming to you from good old Brooklyn. It is roughly 1,000 degrees outside. So I had to turn off the air conditioning to record this little episode. So uh, we're just going to power through. It's going to be fine. Uh, Once again, I like to mention this at the top of every episode, we are a 100% listener-supported show. What the hell does that mean? Well, it means you won't hear any commercials during this podcast episode or any of my episodes, which is great. Good news. No having to skip ahead 30 seconds every few minutes, which is a pain in the ass. Also, it means I get to say whatever the fuck I want. Editorial freedom. So thank you for that as well. And it's how the show is able to exist, how I'm able to pay all the hidden fees that come from hosting a podcast. Did you think it was free to make a podcast? It's it's not. You, um, you spend a lot of money. So uh, that includes hosting fees, all of uh, my equipment fees, uh, paying my co-hosts. So thank you to my supporters for that as well. In thanks, if you are a Patreon supporter of mine, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny, you get to leave questions, comments, um, just random shit. I'm going to read a bunch from some of you in a second. It's really what whatever's on your mind at this point. Um, just be interesting. You know, don't don't go on at length. Um, if, if you catch yourself like, wow, I'm talking a lot. Be your own editor. You're your own best friend, and you're also your own editor. So keep that in mind. And then I'm going to talk a lot about pop culture. And I'm going to talk a little bit about news. And it's going to be a good time, everybody. Now, you're probably like, um, or maybe you're used to it at this point, because I I do host the show on my own quite a bit these days. But I I fucked up this week. (laughs) That's why there's no co-host. I forgot... We, we took off earlier in the month for uh, July 4th, July 4th weekend, and I was like, oh, damn it. Uh, if we're, we're going to be a bi-monthly episode, I got to sneak in another episode this month because next weekend, whoo, she's a doozy. I'm busy. And I don't know if you know this, but um, trying to produce two shows on top of this show is a lot of work. And stand by for announcements on that. I will tell you guys about what I've been working on when those things go to air. But all good stuff. Very interesting. It's a neat time. It's just that my schedule is bananas. If you saw my calendar, you'd have an instant heart attack. That's what I'm saying. So don't look at it. It's none of your business. You shouldn't be looking anyway. So hi, everybody. I hope you're having a great weekend. I... Do I want to do recommendations? No. No, Allison, stick to the plan. All right. I'm going to read some Patreon messages. Brian. Brian is what we call an an active supporter. We love it. Constantly have messages from Brian. um, But that's great. That's that's, your right as a supporter. You can be a chatty Kathy in the comments section. Don't feel bad about it for a second. So Brian wrote, wrote, uh uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh, we're four minutes in. My brain broke. Sorry, everybody. Brian writes. Okay, can I just vent quickly before I get into this? So I, like every other um, person, in lockdown, newly coming out of lockdown, was like, hey, now's a good time to learn another language. And I did have a foundational knowledge of Spanish, so I was like, let me... (laughs) brush up on Spanish. And I have to know if this happens to anyone else who is trying to learn a second, third, fourth language. Don't show off. Don't tell me you know five languages. I feel bad enough about myself. So I'm doing Duolingo, which is super fun, very addictive. And does this happen to anyone else where when you're learning a foreign language, it fucks up the syntax of your English? So like, I would say she know is happy instead of she's not happy because that's the syntax in Spanish. Clumsy example, but you get what I'm saying. Does, 
oh, it, I almost did it again. <laughs> Does your syntax get fucked up when you're learning another language? If you're an English speaker, uh, let me know. You can tweet me at Allison Kilkenny, or you can use hashtag light trees and pod. Is this just a very specific way my brain is broken? But uh, I'm having a great time brushing up on Spanish. It's just I noticed um, both when I was texting and speaking to people, my syntax is now a mess. So that's fun because I wasn't great at communicating in English to begin with. So we've gone from eh to uh-oh. Back to Brian. Brian writes, well, since it seems individual episodes of podcasts are on the table for Rex, I'm going to push this one as it's literally the only episode I've listened to given my connection to some of the people involved. The podcast is called How Did This Not Get Made? Are you sure I didn't read this, Brian? All right. I apologize if I've read it before. It's a podcast about those big movie or TV projects that completely fell apart. The episode I'm wrecking is episode 28, The Devil's Gestures, about how the 10th anniversary film for the website Channel Awesome collapsed spectacularly due in large part to the CEO's complete inability to apologize. It's okay if you or anyone listening doesn't know what Channel Awesome is. As the episode's guest explains in a reasonable amount of time, plenty enough to provide context. It is a banana story. We love a banana story. And one that actually connects to my Halloween wreck last year for the audio drama A Voice from the Dark, as the main cast of that drama consists entirely of people who quit Channel Awesome before, during, and after the events that led to the devil's jesters being canned. To reiterate, the name of the podcast is How Did This Not Get Made? And it's episode 28 from April of this year that I'm recommending to people. Brian, that sounds amazing. I love a calamity. I love a good story of something going horribly wrong in spectacular fashion. I'm here for it. That sounds really good. So Brian also writes, I'm knocking out the Brian ones because Brian has been so patient. This thing happened where there's sometimes a snowballing effect in the comment section where if you post early, then there's new comments. You get bumped to the bottom. Brian got fucked last week, guys. So this is a Brian episode because Brian rocks. So we're making it up to them. Brian writes, well, I didn't expect to have another wacky story <laughs> so soon, but this just happened and I have to share it with people because it's so bonkers. I was on OkCupid. They updated this and said it wasn't OkCupid. Brian, it doesn't matter. You were on a dating app. We don't care which one. I, OkCupid sounds funnier to me, so I'm going to say OkCupid. Um, I was on OkCupid and I got a potential match. Great. Her pictures were really cute. So I decided to scroll down. Good thing I did because wow, the bullshit. It starts out. Okay. She describes herself as bi and transgender. Cool. Okay. But then she uses the word transracial. Oh boy. And already I'm like, uh oh, and then this sentence happens. I was born a white man in California, now happily living as an Asian woman in Japan. Hmm. You know that meme of Kermit the Frog where the text reads screaming internally? And then that's the end of the message. Brian, that was great. That's all we needed. Um, that is wacky. I, I don't tend to share my dating app stories on the show because... You know, you want to honor everybody's privacy, but let me just say, it is a landscape of pure shit. And the amount, I wish there was a filter on dating apps where I could just say, please stop matching me with police officers or anybody posing with a Blue Lives Matter flag. I wish I had those options, you know, but holy shit. Because um, <clears throat> up until then, bye, great, transgender, wonderful. Oh boy, transracial. Yeah, that that's a hard no. That's a hard no. Um, and like all peace and, and goodwill to you, and I hope you have a wonderful life, but no, no, no. Not for me. Um, because uh, being transracial is not a thing. You know? So, uh, no thank you. Brian, I'm sorry. I hope, um, I hope you get less bananas dating matches and and best of luck to you i know i know firsthand it is a shit show 
and everybody is just so broken <laughs> and it's it's a mess but it's also an adventure right that's what life's about or something guys let's get to recommendations holy shit uh, so much has happened. I, I know for a fact I'm forgetting a lot of... Oh, wait, wait. Did I miss a Brian one? <laughs> wait, yes. Brian, I'm sorry. One more, because it's a Brian show. I was like, I, we're going to knock out all of Brian's this episode. So uh, there's one more. Um, I promise you... Uh, blah, blah, blah. I know I'm taking my life in my hands by making a music wreck. Brian, you very much are. Because as I've specified clearly on this show, no one in the 10 plus years I have been hosting this podcast or, or po podcast variants. We're going to get to Loki in a second. Don't worry. Podcast variants has ever guessed correctly my specific weird musical tastes. And they've tried. They've been like, you'll love this. And they send it and I hate it every single time. So let's just say this is a recommendation for all of you, not for me specifically. Um, this is one of Brian's favorite synthwave acts. I'm telling you right now, I'm out. I'm out. I've, I've, pulled, I've pulled the release on my parachute, and I'm waving to you all who are still on the plane. All right? But you might enjoy this. Uh, the Motion Epic just last night dropped their third full-length album, Boardwalk. Arcadia. It can be listened to for free or purchased digitally. Oh, okay. As well as a limited number of copies in vinyl and cassette on bandcamp.com on the site for the record label Sofa King Vinyl. I did not make that up. That's really the name of the label, and I love it. I'm listening to Boardwalk Arcadia as I'm writing this, and it's excellent. Great. Sounds like maybe it would be good writing music if you're looking for, for ambient music. Check it out. Thank you for the music rec. We don't get a lot of music recs on the show, possibly because I've berated you all into um, no longer sharing them. And let me just say again, your musical tastes don't have to be my musical taste. This is not a cult. We can have dissent. We can have enthusiastic disagreements. And also, your musical recommendation might be the exact right match for somebody else's musical taste. So do send musical recommendations as well um, you might find your music soulmate. And that's really all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to facilitate um, soulmate matches. That's my purpose on this earth. Did you all not know that? That is why I'm here. So recommendations, everybody. Are you strapped in? Are you ready? Okay. Um, I don't want to alarm anyone, but I am seeing Zola tonight. So I will have more to say about that on a later episode, but I'm very excited about that. I was deeply jealous. If you missed last week's episode, what is time? I don't know. Uh, what The last episode, Meredith recommended Zola. She had just gotten to see it with a friend. I am profoundly jealous because I've been a little skittish to go back to the movie theaters, and this will be the first time I'm seeing a movie in a movie theater in like a year and a half, which is wacky. The last film I saw, I was trying to think about it, the last film I saw in a movie theater was Parasite, which is a good last movie to see in a movie theater. I'm proud that was my last film I saw. And I'm proud that Zola will be the first movie back in a movie theater. Feels right. Those two films feel like good bookends to my, my movie theater experience. Here's how seriously I take my movie theater experience and movies in general. And this sort of um, loops back to our discussion about dating apps. I, I consider this a discussion. So I was talking to a gentleman who wanted to know what movie I was going to see because I said I was going to see a movie this weekend said, what movie? And I said, Zola. He said, never heard of it. And I have not spoken to him since. Now, you are probably like, and I'm not saying you're incorrect in, in saying this, um, that is an overreaction. Fair enough. I would counter, nah, -uh, because that's how seriously I take uh, movies and uh, my movie theater experience. 
you you could have taken two seconds to Google my guy. You could have Googled Zola and been like, oh yeah, yeah, oh, based on that that viral sensation. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, we're on the same page. Yeah, I heard that's really good. Fake it. Don't just be like, never heard of it. Really? Great, we're never gonna speak again. That's how I feel. So, obviously I'll be recommending Zola. I just know it, I feel it in my bones. But you're probably like, you should only recommend things that you've actually seen or consumed in some way. Fair enough, you're making great points. You're, you're being kind of hard on me, but I like it. You know, it keeps me on my toes. So, I can talk about this with some authority because I have seen it, consumed it. And I'm gonna say, right now, if you're skittish about Loki spoilers, what the fuck are you doing? I, I have less and less sympathy for people who have things spoiled for them. Because here's the thing. You're not new. You know what this is. I'm going to put Loki finale in the title of this episode. So you can't come back to me and be like, I didn't know. You blindsided me. It's like people who go on Twitter and then cry when they see spoilers. You have so many options. Twitter is not a human right. It's not like access to clean water, shelter, or air. You don't have to go on Twitter to have things spoiled for you. You can block keywords. You can not go on Twitter. How's that for a novel idea? You know everybody's going to be talking about something like Loki. Stay off of Twitter. I have no sympathy for it anymore. I used to back in the day because I've also had things spoiled for me by Twitter. But guess what? I've been on Twitter, unfortunately, like a decade now. I know to stay the fuck off of it until I have watched something because it will be spoiled for me. Even if I mute keywords, somebody's going to post without the hashtag. It's going to come through and it's going to spoil it for me. So stay off of Twitter. Now, having said all that, if you're still listening, what is happening? Skip ahead to the music queue for the bad news section and uh, save yourself, you know? Save yourself from the spoilers because I'm going to talk in broad strokes, but I am going to spoil some stuff for the Loki finale. Don't let me spoil it for you. Jesus. All right. Stop acting new. I didn't know you were going to spoil it for me. Really? How do I talk about this without spoiling it for you? I can't. It's impossible. Skip ahead. All right. Everybody else. Hi. How good was that Loki finale? Come on. It was so good. It makes every other Disney Plus Marvel shows finale look like hot dog shit in comparison. And listen, I say that. I'm going to talk about the Emmy nominations in a little bit. I say that as a huge fan of WandaVision and someone who acknowledges that Falcon and Winter Soldier also exists. Um, I Here's as generous as I can be for Falcon and Winter Soldier. Sebastian Stan was really good, and I'm glad he got to act because he does not get an opportunity in Marvel films to act often, and he got to act his little butt off quite a bit. He was great. He was great. Um, every other element of that show was a mess, which is too bad because um, they tried to deal with some really complicated subjects like racism, and it, it was really ham-fisted and clumsy and, and not great. But... Um, I heard somebody suggest that a, an easy fix to the Falcon and Winter Soldier would have been if they had the boat episode earlier to establish the relationship between Sam and Bucky so we bought the evolution of their friendship more. I think that's a good call. Um, and all of the villain shit in that series was a mess. We don't need to unpack it too much, but... My issue with WandaVision was WandaVision was great and I'm so grateful it existed when it did during lockdown because it was a really weird time and it was a really weird show, very surreal, um, really different from anything MCU has done before. So that was really cool. Love me Elizabeth Olsen, love me uh, Paul Bentney, they're both great. Um, you know, uh, the whole cast was wonderful. Agatha, come on. Um, so my issue with WandaVision was that ending was so, it was trash. Guys, it was trash. And I say that as a fan of WandaVision. The ending was trash. Um, Wanda's a villain in that show. And I wish they had just owned that. You know, she mentally enslaved an entire town. That's bad. That makes you, you're the bad guy. 
It's like that meme, are we the baddies? If you mentally enslave an entire town, you're the baddie. You know? So they they just didn't have uh, the stones, if you will, to let her be a villain at the end. So they have an absurd moment where someone's like, Wanda, they'll never know how much you did for them. And it's literally like, what is happening? She's the villain. They never really deal with it. So, uh, but having said that, I, I do like Falcon and Winter Soldier. I loved WandaVision. Loki, I'm going to say it. That was a damn near perfect finale. Very good. Um, I was shocked. Shocked with a capital S. Capital SH. That we got a Kang cameo. Or I'm sorry, he who remains. We haven't actually met Kang yet, his variant. But uh, you know what I'm saying. Shut up. Um, Jonathan Majors, pitch perfect. What a weird off-the-walls performance and exactly what it needed to be. I would have bet money. We're in episode six, y'all. They're not going to introduce the next big bad of the MCU in episode six. I'm sorry. The last nine minutes of episode six, they don't, they're not going to do it. There's no way. It would be dumb. It would be a mistake narratively to do that. They did it and it was good. It was the right call. Uh, I'm sorry. It wasn't good. It was great. It was perfect and absolutely the right narrative call, which shocked me because on paper, that's a really bad thing to do, especially because you have millions of people watching the show who don't follow the comic books, who have no fucking idea who Kang is. And Jonathan Majors, while he might be a recognizable face at this point, because he starred in Lovecraft uh, Country, which was great, and I'm pissed HBO didn't order a second season, I don't understand that call. But I won't go on that tangent right now. So he might be a familiar face to some people, but he's not like an A-list Hollywood star. So to have him be the man behind the curtain was a little like, ooh, this is a gamble. And it really rested entirely on his ability to act the shit out of that scene. And he did. The moment where he gets quiet and he says, we passed the threshold, chills, chills. And I've been seeing a lot of comparisons to Lost in a a very complimentary way. And I agree with all of them. Like the storytelling, the, um, the character development, the mix of emotional narrative storytelling with surrealism. Perfect. Perfect. I'm very sad that Kate's not going to be directing season two, which again was another big reveal that we're getting a season two. Thank God. I literally paused this scene where they're in he who remains Citadel at the end of time. What a bizarre sentence if you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I paused that scene just to check how much time was left. And I like my stomach dropped because I was like, we have to get a season two because there's no way they're going to wrap this up in nine minutes. Um, I just want to say right now, I want to go on record. Miss Minutes, go fuck yourself with that jump scare. And I'll, I'll tell you this right now. This is my guarantee. If you dress up as Miss Minutes for Halloween, I'm going to punch you right in your dumb face. Okay? Because she scared me. She scared me when she jumped out of nowhere in the Citadel with her dumb little cartoon face, and she was bad. She's a bad little cartoon clock. She knew what was happening the whole time. And she's a, she's a baddie along with Kang. So she can't be trusted. I'm just going to say that. But overall, I, what, a, what a great series. It's my favorite Disney Plus series so far. I highly, highly recommend Loki if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, what a what a series of confusing spoilers I just told you. I would still say though, Loki's so good, you'll still enjoy it. Um, I really love the whole feel of the series, the set design. People have gone on at length about that uh, homage to Legion, but also Mad Men. Really, really beautiful costume and and set design. I. This is a weird thing to say, and please know I'm saying it while acknowledging the horror of the moment we live in. (laughs) I really liked that this show happened during lockdown because this is a show about loneliness, right? How Loki feels like he is utterly alone in the universe. Um, He can never 
be trusted. He can never trust. He can never love. Love is a weapon. He will go on for all time alone, right? We see that with classic Loki when he meets him, Richard Grant. Um, he lived alone on a planet until he got so lonely he couldn't bear it and he wanted to see Thor and he left and that's when the TVA snagged him. But this is a, like a profoundly lonely character, right? So I think it really helps the series that originally in the concept art for, for all the scenes in the TVA, the TVA was supposed to be filled with variants. That scene where Loki first walks in and there's the, the absurdly long labyrinth queue that he has to approach uh, Judge Renslayer. That was supposed to be filled with a line of variants, but of course they couldn't do that because of COVID protocols. So really all of those scenes became stripped down until it was just Loki and Mobius, or, or Mobius and Judge Renslayer, like two characters max on screen. And it really created this sense of loneliness that I think added to the series in its entirety. And I don't know, like much like WandaVision, for me, Loki was right time, right place. I really, really connected with the series. I love it. Um, I want to see season two now. I'm a greedy little MCU zombie. Nom, 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 nom. I want it. I want it. I want a, a Mobius backstory. I want to see that man on a jet ski. Make it happen. I'm manifesting it. I'm putting it on my vision board. Mobius on a fucking jet ski or I riot. I ruin some days. All right. So on that note, let's get to some Emmy news. All right, so speaking of MCU stuff, uh, WandaVision was uh, very heavily recognized by the Emmy nominations announced on Tuesday. 23! Damn! I mean, for an MCU series that, I mean, for any kind of series, that's great. But um, usually any kind of authoritarian body, whether it's TV or film, don't really like recognizing comic books because they're considered like a lesser form of art, which we know is bullshit, but you know, they're snobs. They don't like recognizing fantasy or sci-fi or anything good. So um, congratulations to the WandaVision team. Very much deserved. Um, this is us, blind spotting, The Mandalorian, The Crown, all killed it with the most nominations. Very, very, very happy to see, finally, Michaela Cole being nominated for I May Destroy You, which is one of the most powerful storytelling shows or storytelling of any kind I've ever seen. I do have to, like, whenever I recommend it, I do recommend it with a strong trigger warning because, obviously, it de deals with uh, themes of rape and consent and uh, things are shown through the device of flashbacks, so potentially very triggering for people. So I do offer that as a caveat, but it is so good. It's so artfully done um, and a, a weirdly enjoyable show considering like the dark subject matter, but she's so effervescent and charming and, and brilliant that it is captivating to watch. Um, so yeah, shout out to Paul Bentney, <laughs> WandaVision, outstanding lead actor. I cannot believe Hamilton's still getting nominated for shit, but I mean, they, they did do a TV thing, so that makes sense. No surprise to see, uh, Kate Winslet, Mayor of Easttown, Elizabeth Olsen, my girl, WandaVision, uh, for outstanding lead actress. Man, this category, check this category out. Outstanding lead actress, Michaela Cole. Dadam. Cynthia Erivo, another Dadam. Although I heard that Genius Aretha is not great. Haven't seen it, but I heard it's not great. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, Anna Taylor Joy, <laughs> The Queen's Gambit, okay. And uh, Kate Winslet. So stacked. It's got to be Michaela Cole, but I have a feeling they're going to give it to Kate Winslet. Because she, you know, whenever a, a TV actress of her, mag or I'm sorry, a movie actress of her magnitude goes to TV, everyone's like, oh, oh, a goddess walks among us. And she is great in Mare of Easttown. But uh, in a just world, it would go to Michaela Cole. We'll see. 
Uh, outstanding lead actor in a comedy, Anthony Anderson, William H. Macy, Michael Douglas, Jason Sudeikis, Keenan, Keenan Thompson. It's so weird that Keenan finally got nominated. Um, and it wasn't for SNL. But, oh, my God. Is, is he the hardest working man in comedy? He might be. Keenan, my God. He's been working since he was, like, 15. Not hyperbole. Um, but, honestly, Jason Sudeikis, uh, I think, is poised to win. Everybody loves Ted Lasso. Have you seen Ted Lasso? It's perfect. Go watch it. What, are you afraid of a good time? Go watch Ted Lasso. Outstandingly actress in a comedy series. Okay. This is interesting. Gene Smart, Hacks, Kelly Cuoco, The Flight Attendant, Tracy Ellis Ross for Blackish, A.D. Bryan for Shrill, Allison Janney for Mom. Stacked. I think the only one who I could easily knock off is Allison Janney, just because, um, do you watch Mom? Me either. But every other nominee is, uh, damn. Yeah, that's got to be Gene Smart. I think she's both the correct decision and the sentimental <laughs> sentimental decision. And uh, with those two converging, she seems like a pretty unstoppable force. But I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times. If you haven't seen The Flight Attendant, check that out. Because Kaylee Cuoco really, really surprised me. I was like, ugh, the girl from the Big Bang Theory? Fart. Who cares? She's phenomenal in it. It's totally different than anything you've seen her do before. And... She has range. I'm so excited to, I hope there's another season of The Flight Attendant coming, although it seems like it's been a while. Maybe not. What is time? I don't know. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's phenomenal. I really like, I'm a fan now. If Now I'm excited if I hear Kaylee Cuoco's going to be in something. They finally got her away from like terrible male writers and uh, a bunch of male nerds who uh, sexually objectify her and now she gets to do interesting things. Take that Big Bang money, Kaylee. Now make interesting artistic decisions. Yes. Love it. Outstanding lead actor in a drama series. Okay. Sterling K. Brown, This Is Us. Jonathan Majors, Lovecraft Country. This is what drives me nuts. They got like 18 Emmy nominations, and HBO didn't order a second season. And then somebody tweeted me, and they were like, well... It's probably because the writers didn't have an idea for season two, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, to say a bunch of writers don't have ideas. Of course they had a fucking idea. They had a whole Bible outlined for season two that the showrunner posted on Twitter like, hey, by the way, here's where we were going to take the show, and it sounds fucking fascinating. They had an idea. for. They had several ideas for season two. Why didn't HBO bring it back? It's so confusing to me. And somebody was like, racism, which, I mean, yes, is the explanation for all things, right? But HBO originally ordered this series. So, like, I can't believe that suddenly they were like, wait a second, we hate black people. What have we done? We got to get rid of this show. I'm like, was it a scheduling thing with Jonathan Majors now that he's in the MCU? Like, really, honestly, what happened? If you have any behind-the-scenes insight, and you're listening right now, if you're a personal assistant at HBO and you're like, girl, I was in the room when it happened, text me. Don't text me. You don't have my phone number. <laughs> uh, my brain. Um, DM me. Tweet me. And tell me what happened. I only have open DMs for gossip. That's it. Occasionally, somebody drops something tasty, and I'm like, hmm. This is worth all of the unsolicited dick pics. It's good. Uh, Josh O'Connor for The Crown. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Regé Jean Page for Bridgerton. Okay. Billy Porter, Pose, and Matthew Reese for Perry Mason. You know, it's stacked again. Um, I hope Bridgerton doesn't win anything. It wasn't a very good show, guys. I'm happy for you if you enjoyed it, but No. Um, Billy Porter would be great for Pose. Matthew Reese is a beast in Perry Mason, if you haven't seen that. And Jonathan Majors is so good in Lovecraft Country, as he is in everything he's in. I like Sterling K. Brown. I'm just kind of over This Is Us. I'm, it's not for me. It's not a genre I enjoy. 
Um, so this will be the last one we do category. I'll just give my thoughts quickly. Outstanding lead actress in a drama series. Uzo for In Treatment, which I hear is great. I have not seen it yet, so I can't give an informed uh, opinion on the matter. Olivia Coleman, uh, The Crown, Emma Corrin, The Crown, Elizabeth Moss, Handmaid's Tale. God, I can't believe that's still on. Uh, MJ Rodriguez for Pose and Journey Smollett, Lovecraft Country. Journey's great. Um, I don't think she stands a chance in this category, but she's so good in it. Um, God, The Handmaid's Tale. Are you still watching The Handmaid's Tale? And if so, are you okay? Because why are you putting yourself through that? <laughs> I, I had to check out. I was like, my life's hard enough. Being a woman in the United States is hard enough. I can't watch this show. Um, it's probably going to go to somebody from The Crown, right? Probably Olivia Coleman. Everybody likes Olivia Coleman. And it's about the queen. Old people love that shit. They'll give it to Olivia Coleman. Um, yeah. So any thoughts on the Emmy nominations? Hashtag Light Trees and Pod. Of course, we will cover the actual award show. I actually don't even know when that's happening. Um, I've lost track of when things happen now because, um, oh, okay. Uh, nope. That's just when qualifying shows. Oh, it'll take place at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles on September 19th. Man, the fall is going to be crazy. That's when all the films that have been uh, getting delayed are all coming out and a bunch of new uh, Disney Plus series coming out. Are you excited about What If? I am. I told you, Marvel Zombie. I'm excited about all of it. Um, yeah, on that note, it's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. <gasps> Here's your bad news. Wait, I forgot to rant about something. Okay. I'm sure you've all seen this story about... I'm putting this in the bad news section. I don't care. Uh, this show is anarchy. Um, can we talk about Subway really quick? The, uh, the, the, the chain restaurant, fast food restaurant. So there was a story a while back that a bunch of people freaked out about because they were like, oh, my God, there's a chemical <laughs> in Subway bread that's the same as a chemical in yoga mats, which is just, um, and I'm pretty sure uh, we covered it on some variant of the show and had to correct it later on because um, I, like every other American, am occasionally very scientifically illiterate. And I mean, saying the same chemical is in two things is almost like a meaningless statement. It's like saying like carbon is in these two life forms. It's like, yeah, that that's chemistry. Like it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Chemicals are in everything that we consume. Um, that's part of living in modern society. So if you're going to try to go live a chemical-free life, um, you will probably die in the woods. So don't do that. Um, but the latest incarnation of this um, hand-wringing over Subway, well, there was another story about how I think Ireland declared that Subway's bread isn't technically bread because there's too much sugar in it. So it's more like a cake. Um, sure. American food is terrible. Um, we eat trash. Uh, Subway is not the only chain, right? So that was like, okay. Um, so now the latest thing is that <laughs> Subway's tuna is not tuna. doesn't technically uh, qualify to be defined as tuna according to federal standards. And people are freaking out, obviously, because, and I, I do agree with this part. They're like, we should have transparency in our food. So like, if a very wealthy chain like Subway says this is tuna, you should be able to believe them. <laughs> so I don't know. It's probably like chicken or something, and they're just calling it tuna, which is fucked up. Don't get me wrong. But if I could play devil's advocate for a second, if Subway has created a mock tuna that is not tuna, and let's just pose perhaps it's plant-based, that's kind of cool. And they've been like fooling people for so long. 
Uh, I don't know. I wanted to be a contrarian little shit about this where I'm like, that's kind of dope. If it does, if it does turn out to be plant-based, if it turns out to be another meat source, then I'm just sort of like, oh, that's shitty. Um, but I'm curious. I'm curious to know, like, and I, I'm curious to know why we haven't received more information other than it's not tuna, dot, dot, dot. Very ominous. So what is it? Is it people? Because we definitely need to know that. Is it plant-based? Kind of cool, Subway. You've been fooling people all these years. People have been saying that tastes like tuna. Good on you. You're like beyond meat before beyond meat. Or is it another animal source? In which case, no, no, no. You're very shady if you get that. You're very shady because people need to know what they're eating. All right. That's all I have to say about that. I'm interested to know what it is. And I'm also interested to know why we haven't gotten a, a, an answer about that yet. It feels like an important detail of that story. So the last episode of Light Trees and News we did where Meredith was co-hosting, we talked about that the, the final uh, of Euro 2020 was coming up, that we were going to watch um, England uh, versus, oh my God, this game just happened and I'm like already forgetting the details of it. Italy, thank you. Um and, you know, we had been joking that Italy can't have everything. They can't win Eurovision and the Euro Cup. Guess what? Yes, they can, motherfucker, because they did. Uh, it was a very good game. I don't know if you watched it. It came down to penalty kicks, which truly is the most nerve-wracking thing because it's the equivalent of, you know, when you were a kid and you had to get up in front of the whole class and, and present something and you were so nervous? Now, imagine doing that in front of the entire world. That's what a penalty kick is. And if you miss it, it's the end of your fucking life. It's not, but it feels like that in the moment. So uh, there were, England missed a few penalty kicks. And unfortunately, uh, the players who missed the kicks were the team's black players. And I immediately was like, oh no, because I've met drunk football English fans before. And they are the type of people who are not really woke when it comes to um, things like racism, right? So I immediately knew this was going to be an issue. It turns out it was because when 30 million people watch you miss a penalty kick, uh, a good chunk of that audience are going to be racist fucking morons who immediately go to that because they want to insult you and bully you and make you feel bad because you missed a kick, which is stupid. Even though it's the biggest soccer match in the world, it's still a fucking game. It's not that serious. Everyone will survive. That's the beauty of sports, right? It's war, but nobody has to die. So come the fuck down. So immediately Twitter has to take down like a thousand racist tweets. Uh, these poor, poor guys um, were getting death threats. And it was horrible. It's horrible. Because, again, it's a fucking game. So, like, why is anybody getting racist shit screamed at them? Why is anybody's day ruined over this? Um, yeah, it was really awful. And, like, uh, so Marcus Rashford... Jaden Sancho and Bakayo Saka were the targets of the abuse uh, because they missed spot kicks in a penalty shootout. Again, that is why. It's so frustrating because it's like you can tell how proud the teams are that they were in the finals, that they got to represent their countries, and to like the fact that that veneer of like brotherhood is so thin that the second they miss a kick like first of all it was heartbreaking because you could see like their world falling apart and like they were crying and like it was awful because <laughs> like uh, they're both such good teams that's why you're in the finals and you hate to see anybody that sad right I did love seeing the royal family absolutely crestfallen that was good for me on a spiritual level I always love seeing sad royals, but I didn't like seeing sad football players because they work really hard. 
and it comes down to like one moment and like a few centimeters difference between the ball going in the net and the ball going out the net. And you never want to see somebody's life fall apart for something that small, right? So like that sucked. But then it was sort of nice because their, their teammates picked them up and they had that support and it was like, great, that's what it should be. This moment sucks for you. It's not the end of the world. You're still you. We still love you. We're going to carry on. And then to see this shit happen, we're like now the police have to investigate because, again, some of them were death threats. Um, and also after this, like, really showy display of anti-racism where, like, the teams kneeled and, like, which is great, again, because... Um, you know, individual players, individual teams uh, doing that kind of gesture is really moving, but to have the league sort of put their anti-racism stamp on it and then for this shit to happen was like, uh, it just like was so immediately like, we're all fucking hypocrites. <laughs> like, or I should say like a lot of people watching the game are fucking hypocrites. Um, but yeah, other than that, great game. I hope these guys are okay because, like, again, they're so young. Like, Marcus is 23. Jaden's 21. Bakayo's 19. There was a 19-year-old playing in this game. Can you imagine playing in front of 30 million people and missing a kick when you're 19 years old? Ugh. Yeah, I hope they have a good support system around them. And again, don't be fucking racist, you little monsters. All right, and then quickly, it feels bizarre to do this quickly, but we must, time restraints. Um, we got to talk about COVID, and we got to talk about Lady Delta. This Delta variant, man, a lot of talk of variant in these episodes, right? What is that about? It's the age of variants. So Delta is just tearing through the United States right now. COVID cases rising in all 50 states. Um, some of the southern states are completely overwhelmed because guess where the most unvaccinated people are? You guessed it. Um, so their hospitals are completely overwhelmed. Um, California, L.A. County is in like lockdown 3.0 right now where uh, people have to wear masks again uh, while they're inside because the, the variant cases have exploded in that state. And I just want to give a shout out, a rare shout out to um, to France, first of all, even rarer, Emmanuel Macron, because on Monday he announced that from July 21st, I believe, on, all persons entering restaurants, cafes, hospitals, shopping centers, or taking a long distance ride by train will be obliged to present their vaccination card, or I guess they call it their COVID health pass. And immediately, he makes this announcement, two million people booked a vaccination appointment. You got to make vaccination mandatory. That's the only way we're going to reach herd immunity levels. And also, you know, whenever we, we talk about mandatory vaccinations, it automatically reverts to this conversation about personal freedom, which I don't necessarily think is bad because the way to pivot is to say, right, this is about personal freedom. My personal freedom to not have to travel with a bunch of unvaccinated people. Because here's the thing about being vaccinated. And I, it seems like some people are confused, so maybe we should talk about this anyway. Because I, I was talking with a friend who we were, were talking about the Delta variant, and he said... <clears throat> So is my vaccination meaningless now? And I had to be like, no, 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 quite the opposite. You being vaccinated mean the, means the odds of you dying from the Delta variant are greatly diminished. It's not zero, but it's greatly diminished. Whereas someone who is unvaccinated potentially could die from COVID because they're not vaccinated. But another aspect of this are anti-vaxxers saying, if you're vaccinated, why are you so concerned about traveling with me, an unvaccinated person? And my answer to that is, if you are vaccinated, you can still carry COVID and give it to somebody else who's unvaccinated. 
So you can unwittingly transfer the virus. So we're all connected living in this society together. So if we're ever going to reach this herd immunity, the only way we can do that is unvaccinated people must get vaccinated. And the federal government can have a lot of leverage by mandating vaccinations to ride public transportation, to, and, and mind you, this is like for immunocompromised people too, like for their personal safety. Why aren't we talking about their personal freedom, right? Um, to not get this virus and die, to have that freedom. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's telling that France did this and two million people booked vaccination appointments. That shit works. It's clear that it works. Um, yeah, so get vaccinated. And if you are in a position to do so, convince someone who is unvaccinated to get vaccinated, if you can. I know sometimes that's an impossible conversation, but if there's any chance, try to convince them. I can't believe that um, this is still going on. I mean, I can believe it, but also it's like, wow. When you were watching the finale of Loki and all of the realities were branching off, were you like, oh, people aren't fucking stupid in one of those branches. In one of those branches, we live in like an egalitarian society where um, being a billionaire is illegal, um, millionaires are taxed at 90%, um, all education is free, um, healthcare is provided by the state, um, and, and that's at least one of those realities. That's nice. Oh, here's your good news. All right. I'm going to tell you what this good news story is, and you're going to be like, Allison, what? But just hear me out. Olivia Rodrigo visited the White House to urge young people to get vaccinated, which is great. Um, you know, we were saying in the lead up to vaccination that a good idea would be to take some beloved celebrities and have them vaccinated on live TV. Somebody like Dolly Parton to show that it's safe. Um, a bunch of, speaking of Marvel, Marvel actors got vaccinated because a lot of people like them. It's a good PR idea. So this is a good idea to have a young star, pop star like Olivia Rodrigo go to the White House, show that getting vaccinated is safe and she supports it. But my favorite part of this visit, and listen, I recognize that this is entirely in my head and not real, okay? So nobody come for me, try to cancel me. Um, I This is fiction that I have created in my old noggin. But if you saw the press conference <laughs> of Olivia Rodrigo, who is dressed like Cher from Clueless, I don't know if it's deliberate, that is how she's dressed. Love it. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki is addressing the press, introducing Olivia, explaining the campaign or initiative, whatever you want to call it, visit. And then there are a series of photos that make it seem as though Olivia Rodrigo and Jen Psaki are engaged in some kind of psychological warfare, unlike anything we've ever seen. They're giving each other Jen's scowling at Olivia from the sidelines. Olivia gives her a little smirk as she walks past her once she's done speaking. It seems like they have the rivalry to end all rivalries, and I love it. I'm obsessed with it. It's not real. It's in my head. But I've already written season one of it, the pop star in the White House, the, the embattled press secretary who has gotten there through blood, sweat, and tears, true grit, hard work, Jen Psaki, being like, look at this child walking into the halls of power when I fought my way here. 
I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I'll post the images on our Instagram so you can see what I'm talking about. It's in my head and not real, but I love it. So also in good news, um, I guess I got to give it up for the EU aiming to, and this is how they put it, which just shows you how dire the situation is, aiming to, quote, give humanity a fighting chance with a new catch-all climate plan. Okay, what's this one say? So the Fit for 55 plan aims to cut carbon emissions by 55% by 2030. Um, so very ambitious. Uh, they set out in painstaking detail how the bloc's 27 countries can meet their collective goal to reduce net greenhouse gas emissions by 55, 55% from 1990 levels by 2030. Uh, this will mean raising the cost of emitting carbon for heating, transport and manufacturing, taxing high carbon avi aviation fuel, and shipping fuel that have not been taxed before, and charging importers at the border for the carbon emitted in making products such as cement, steel, and aluminum abroad. So I thought this part was interesting. <clears throat> the EU climate policy chief, Franz Timmermans, I didn't make that up, that's just their name, everybody grow up, said, we're gonna ask a lot of our citizens, we're also going to ask a lot of our industries, but we do it for the cause. So I like this idea of presenting a new version of the world, where I think so often when we talk about climate change, we don't acknowledge that truly in order to save the planet at this point, there's like 10 big companies that can no longer exist. So obviously the big bad in that situation is ExxonMobil. ExxonMobil, if we're gonna save the world, has to be shut down. That's just a non-starter otherwise. But I also like the idea of like presenting an anti-growth model, because that's really what we're talking about. If we're going to save the world, we can no longer live under capitalism, because capitalism is all about exponential growth. Every year has to be more quote-unquote productive than the last year. And how you do that is you consume more resources. But the problem with that is we have limited resources, and also that whole system is destroying the planet. So we can no longer live under capitalism and save the world. Those two things are now in direct conflict. So we have to say, not only will it probably take quite a bit of personal sacrifice from people, we can no longer have our cheap toys uh, that we love playing with, um, but also uh, we gotta disma dismantle these companies and also we have to dismantle capitalism because that's the only way we can survive at this point. We can no longer have exponential growth we either, uh, plateauing isn't enough anymore, we now actually need to consume less. And a lot of people don't wanna hear that, and that's the reality of the situation. Um, and it's tempting to say the big bads don't wanna hear it, obviously, because it threatens their profit margins. A lot of people don't wanna hear that either. Um, but it's reality, and it's gonna take like brave leadership to be the ones who stand up and say, hey, our way of life is not sustainable. And that might inconvenience you, and it might mean you don't have access to all the luxuries that you've had in the past, but you could preserve the world for future generations, and that's good, right? Right? That's just them addressing an empty room, and like the last person has walked out and the door shuts behind them. Anyway, guys, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Follow us all over the dang place, uh, at Light Treason Pod on Twitter, Instagram. I think on Instagram we're Light Treason News. Isn't it funny? I still don't know. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Allison Kilkenny, and on Instagram, at Allison Kilkenny. We're no longer on Facebook because fuck Facebook. Um, go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny for as little as $5 a month. You can support the show, all of our hard work and leave recommendations, questions, comments, your best party stories, ghost stories, where are they? Spooky season approaches, I want ghost stories. Um, yeah, thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, 
get outside if you're vaccinated and cause a little trouble.